So the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word and for the fellowship of your church. We ask God that you would uh, give us your grace, give us understanding, enliven in us a hunger uh, for your word, that we would know you and know how you uh, love us. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So we are... Week two of the Lectio course, uh, I told you last week that I, and he'll probably do a uh, little commercial uh, for it this week, I would guess, but the uh, Lectio 365 app is uh, a, an app that I use pretty much every day uh, uh, for devotions and every night. I, um, there's a, a morning one that is kind of sets me for the day and an evening one that I uh, get through about three minutes of before I fall asleep. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it is. It is great. Um, I, in fact, I, it is. No, I really. I have no shame about falling asleep uh, in that way. I really. Um, I really love it. I really love it. So, um, we're we're going to talk about uh, last last week. The video he talked about the four um, steps of lectio divino. There's um, lectio meditatio. Basically, reading, reflecting, praying, meditating. So I, that's not right. I should have had that locked down before I talked to you. He he will uh, he will refresh us. But this we're going to talk about reading this week, and we're going to go through the uh, four steps each of the next uh, four weeks. But the so reading is is this week. How do you feel? And this might be sort of, you know. Um, because you guys, y'all are pretty much regulars with the Rector's Forum. We talk about the Bible pretty much every week. But what, how do you feel about reading the Bible? I mean, do you feel equipped or, or um, able or um, obligated or desirous to read Scripture on your own? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, that was kind of a weighted question, wasn't it? No. Yeah, that'd be hard to hard to answer quite like that. But I mean, what is it? Do you do you feel intimidated by it? Do you feel excited about it? Do you not know where to begin? What? Yeah, Adrian. I like the footnotes. Yeah, the footnotes. I, I read mean, study Bible. Okay. I, I just you know stay flat. It's hard to understand otherwise. Yeah, and some more than others. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stay away from loving the Levitic. Levitic. I'm with you on that. It is boring, but it is also profitable. Mike? I find it difficult to read in volume. I'm used to reading a lot of things. Yeah. And I have to read it in small chunks and think more about it. And that's a big reversal from my day. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike said it's much better to read in small bits rather than large chunks. And I think we're used to reading textbook and reading, like studying about things rather than. And I love how Pete, uh, the guy on the video, talks about we're in conversation with God. He's speaking to us. And we can respond and speak to Him uh, in His Word as well. And, uh, and that, I think, is really, really good. Does somebody have a, a Bible uh, handy? Dorsey. Or you got all of you had it on your phones. Could somebody read? For, uh, look, uh, I'm going to ask this question again. And uh, somebody... Read for us uh, the passage, the, the road to Emmaus. Is it, what, what is that in? Well, let's, let's, you remember, this is Luke 24. 
Actually, I don't want to take all this. It's like 20 verses. I don't want to take all the time. Um, maybe just read uh, 2432. 32? Yeah. Well, they, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Yeah, we're, our hearts not burning within us while he talked to us on the road. Uh, pretty amazing. So you know the, the, the story about the road to Emmaus, the disciples, two disciples are walking along and they're all sad. Uh, this, is, this is the resurrection night or evening. They hadn't seen Jesus. They're bewildered by what they've heard. Jesus shows up, but they don't know it's him. And instead of saying, uh, it's me, <laughs> he just walks with them for seven miles and talks to them about the Bible. And then he breaks the bread and they recognize him. But, and that's when they say, oh my gosh, I mean, were our hearts not burning within us when he explained the scriptures to us? So um, that's, that's what we're talking about today. How to read the scriptures in such a way that our hearts burn within us. Uh, and, and if your heart doesn't burn within you, there's nothing wrong with you, right? There's just, we just want you to, um, to continue to learn and move forward in your relationship uh, with Scripture and with God. All right, so here's the uh, week two, week two Lectio course. Now, incidentally, well, we figured out the volume. <laughs> Welcome back for the second session of the Lectio course. time we started thinking about the ancient art of Lectio Divina with Sister Mary Magdalene and I walked you through its traditional four steps, read, meditate, pray and contemplate. Today we're going to focus on the first of these steps, hearing Jesus in the Bible by simply reading the text slowly, prayerfully and reverently. One of the stories that I told last time was about Nipper, the Jack Russell. So I thought I'd continue the dog theme today by introducing you to ours. Crumble. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Crumble, and she has got the most extraordinary superpowers. She runs to greet people at the door before they've actually arrived, because apparently she can hear frequencies as high as 65,000 hertz, and I can't discern anything over 20,000. Crumble also has 200 million smell receptors in that little nose there, and I've got a measly 5 million. And that means that she can tell who was here in this place an hour ago, and in another life, she could probably have sniffed out explosives. Go on, go and sniff out some explosives. However, the Bible teaches and history shows that human beings have an extraordinary innate ability that animals don't have. It's a capacity to hear the voice of God because we are uniquely made in his image, designed to enjoy a conversational relationship with our creator. 
Hearing his voice is natural, but it's not always easy. And this has got far more to do with psychology with us than theology, God. The theology is straightforward. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, God speaks. But we are all wired to process data differently. Some of us have got wild imaginations. Others are more logical. Some of us process information internally, and others hardly know what they're thinking until they can chat to another human being. So let's turn to the Bible story that forms the backbone for how to hear God. Christ's encounter with the couple on the road to Emmaus is a masterclass for anyone seeking to learn to hear his voice. Jesus has appeared incognito, risen from the dead, and he's drawn this couple into conversation. So we pick up the story in Luke 24, verse 27, where we are told that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then a little later, after they finally worked out who he is, in verse 32, we're told that they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us whilst he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? The resurrection of Christ from the dead is categorically the ultimate miracle. But instead of showing up dramatically and saying, it's me, Jesus leads the couple through an in-depth Bible study. Even after his resurrection, Jesus looks to the scriptures, not experience, as his ultimate source of authority. So let me say this as clearly as I possibly can. When it comes to hearing God, the Bible is the primary way in which he speaks. It's the very language of his heart. Nothing he says in any other way, dreams, visions, prophecies, angelic visitations, whatever, will ever override, undermine, or contradict what he has already said in Scripture. Learning to hear God's voice begins with the Bible. So, why don't we read the Bible more? Well, the famous American pollster George Gallup once called it the best-selling, least-read book in America. He's <laughs> probably right. We know we should read the Bible, but find it hard, confusing, even occasionally, let's be honest, a bit less exciting than Netflix. One of our problems with the Bible is that we've been told to read it, but never taught to pray it. We may study it like a textbook, but we don't interact with it devotionally, relationally, and conversationally. And this is, of course, where Lectio Divina comes in. By approaching the text prayerfully, using imagination, seeking conversation rather than information, it becomes exciting, surprising, challenging, moving. The Bible comes to life. More than 300 years ago, Archbishop Francois Fenelon gave some great advice about approaching the Bible. He said, imagine that Jesus Christ in person is about to talk to you about the most important thing in the world. Give him your complete attention. 
Imagine what would happen if we all did that. The Bible is a masterpiece. It's important to study it like any great work of art, to admire its many intricacies, to consider its context, to try and make sense of its meaning. But Lectio invites us to turn the picture frame into a window frame. is not just to look at the text but to look through the text at the whole world. Lectio Divina is a way of viewing God's world through God's word. The whole of life through the life of Christ. This is precisely the approach that Jesus himself teaches in today's Bible reading. On the road to Emmaus he explains what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, he teaches us to interpret the Bible in the light of himself. His life, death, and resurrection reframes everything. Theologians call this the Christological hermeneutic. It means that we put on a, a pair of Jesus glasses when we approach God's word. We read the Bible not just to study the truth about God in the past, like a masterpiece in a picture frame, but to encounter Jesus Christ, who is the truth, alive and well today. And so when we read the whole Bible in the light of Jesus, not just the Gospels, but the Old Testament and the Epistles too, so many tricky passages make a lot more sense. Every verse becomes an invitation into a conversation with Jesus himself. Even if it sometimes begins, Lord, help me to understand this bit. It's so important to remember that the word of God is first and foremost a person, and only secondly a book. Our relationship is with the living word of God in Jesus, through the written word of God in the Bible, and not the other way around. And so I couldn't be more delighted to introduce today's guest. Helen Bahani is a recording artist from the East African nation of Eritrea, where she was imprisoned and tortured for her faith in Jesus and her love of God's word in the Bible. So, Helen Bahani, it's wonderful to have you here. And you're someone who's paid an enormous price because of being faithful to God's word in the Bible. Tell us, tell us your story. My name is Helen Bahani. I'm from East Africa. I'm a gospel singer normally. So I have been arrested for 32 months in metal shipping container wow. because of my faith. The situation in prison is kind of man-made hell on the earth. It's very uh, harsh mm. because they don't allow you to go outside. It's very hot in the day, extreme cold 
at night. Also, all the time, they call your name and they take you outside for torture. Why were they torturing you? Yep, in the beginning, because I had been singing. Presumably because you were singing about Jesus. Yes, so finally they say, you need to stop singing. They start torturing me because I'm teaching every day inside the container. And what were you teaching? The Bible. This is extraordinary to someone living in the West. Firstly, that you were imprisoned mm-hmm. for your faith. Secondly, that you were imprisoned in such terrible conditions. But thirdly, that once you were there, you were teaching others about the Bible. Yes. Even though they were torturing you, trying to make you stop. Now, I want to be very honest with you, Helen. I have many Bibles. I have many Bibles on my phone. And there are some days of my life I don't even read it. And there you are being tortured and yet still teaching the Bible. Help me understand your passion for the Bible, your love, your reverence for the text of Scripture. Help me understand. Bible is kind of, for me, it's kind of food. So I have been reading up my Bible 15 times, one five, inside the metal shipping container. Always it's new. So my daily food was uh, Bible. Mm. So always I get new revelation and also a new song through the reading Bible. Can you give us some advice? How, how do we hear God? So you need to shut everything when you want to hear because it's a lot of noise around. So when I was in prison, just I get quiet and listen. But now I close my Twitter and Facebook or Instagram, something switch off. Mm -hmm. So I start... Uh, yeah, reading and uh, meditate, mm-hmm. also listen the voice of God. Mm-hmm. So that was the problem. It's a lot of noise around. Yeah, so switch off distractions and, yeah. and, and really focus. That's, that's very, very helpful. For me, Christianity is not hard. Mm. The hard is if you don't hear, or maybe you hear half, Helen, that's so helpful and surprising to hear you say that Christianity is not difficult as long as we can hear God. We really listen to God, which is what this course is is all about. Um, Earlier you talked about the importance of the Bible when you were in prison. How did you actually get your Bible? How did did you take it in with you? How did it get to you? No, it's not uh, allowed to have Bible in the container, but there was one uh, believer, he smuggled the Bible in the beginning. Now he's... uh, How did he smuggle it? uh, He put it in um, powder, uh, Omo. Washing powder? Yeah, washing powder. Extraordinary. Uh, One woman cut it in 
different pieces. Like she, 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 she took this, this Bible was so precious to you that she, yeah. she split it up for different people. Yeah, different like, people. What happened to the man who, who, who smuggled the Bible in? Yeah, uh, he was also a preacher. Yeah. So they killed him, they tortured him. So he died because of torture. So this man has died for you know, preaching the gospel and he took this enormous risk of smuggling a Bible in, in, in washing powder and you were all sharing the Bible between. Yeah. It's extraordinary how deeply powerful and precious the word of God was to you. Even in that place, many people would say if they were in prison being tortured, they would think God had abandoned them. But you found God in that place through the scriptures. Yes. Helen, your story is utterly inspiring. Thank you for challenging me personally. And thank you for your example. You're reminding me that really the most important thing I can do in life is to listen to God by reading the Bible and meditating on his word. Amen. Thank you. Welcome. I don't know about you, but I found Helen Bahani's testimony very moving. I was challenged by her reverence for God's word in the Bible, the price that she paid to not just read the Bible, but to meditate upon it. And that line where she said, Christianity is not really tough, provided you listen to God. Helen Bahani didn't just read the Bible, she sang it, she reflected on it, she memorized it, she meditated upon it. And that's, that's what we're going to be exploring next time. What meditation is, how do we do it, why every Christian needs meditation in their relationship with God. And so it's going to be an exciting conversation. Let's finish today in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the Bible through which you speak into our lives. We thank you, Lord, that it is not just a picture frame to be studied, but a window frame that makes sense of the whole of life. Lord, we ask you, would you teach us to hear your voice? Amen. What was helpful or challenging to you in that video? I think it's hard for anybody, us, just like they said, to think that there's anybody that could go through that kind of torture and imprisonment. And surely it was a source, but I just don't think that we could ever imagine being in a position similar to that. Yeah, Susie said it's hard to imagine being in a position like this woman, Helen, uh, and wondering what your faith would be like, right? And, and she probably didn't know going into it. Um, she, it's hard to imagine that she would have had a faith that said, if I ever get tortured, I'm going to be super strong, you know, like, but it just, she was sustained. Yes, Josh. You know, we, 
we get wrapped up in, you know, it gives all perspective. Uh, we get wrapped up in you know, our, our work or our lives. And, you know, this past week I had a rough week of work, a bunch of stuff blew up and was a pain in the you know what. And what I do, I came home from work and was like, I don't normally have any alcoholic beverages during the, you know, Monday through, you know, Friday or th Thursday. But this week, a couple of times, I was like, I need a beer or I need a glass yeah. of whiskey or whatever uh -huh. it was. And it's just like, oh, instead of, you know, she's doing that, and I'm just, I had a bad day on the computer. <laughs> yeah. in an air-conditioned office, yeah. in a cushioned chair uh -huh. with, you know, all the food and drink around that I could want, mm -hmm. you know. And, and it just puts in a whole different perspective. And, you know, then also my recourse from a bad week or a bad day of work is to self-indulge when really probably more beneficial thing would be to go mm -hmm. do like she's doing and you know, read the Bible and pray about it, you know, rather than, you know, I'm going to have you know, extra dessert tonight because I had a rough day. Yeah. Once, yeah right, you, you know? Yeah, you're getting into that. Yeah, you've gone from preaching. Yeah, you've gone from preaching to meddling, I think, is what they, is what they say. Um, uh, but, but you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I think that uh, your words probably articulate what a lot of us are thinking about that. How, how does God speak to you? Nature. Nature. What do you mean? His creation. Well, I know what nature is. <laughs> what, 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 how does it speak to you? How do you hear his voice in that? All his, the, the majesty, look what I've created. This isn't for me, this is for you. Yeah. Um, I, I just think being able to acknowledge that there are things that he's done for us and that it wasn't necessary, but that this has been a gift. It's like a gift to me. Yeah. Yeah, there's communion in, in that place, isn't there? Yeah, that's right, communion with God. That's great. Yes, Adrian. Through children. Children. They don't even obviously mean to be teaching us. Mm -hmm. But what they say, out of, their, sorry, mm -hmm. out of the purity of their, what they have now learned or are thinking about or scared them, or they, they come back around quicker than, you know, as tired old adults to, I need to pray about this. And, um, my three and a half year old grandson, the the, new, the six month old, is now after a stop. And he goes, "Pay, pay." <laughs> yeah. For pray. Pray. And yeah. Said, That's right before the blow is going to come, girl. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it it's it starts when they're little if you can do it and put that in them to think that way. Um, how what did you think about the statement from George Gallup that it's the best selling, least read book in America? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we read the Bible more? Why don't, why do we find comfort in creature comforts? And I, I'm certainly asking it myself rather than scripture, yeah. I think one reason could be because you think of it as this one big daunting thing. It's overwhelming mm -hmm. instead of little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Beth. So one of one of my passions of ministry is to make the Bible more accessible to everybody, beginning with children mm -hmm. and going through adults. And what I've found is that 
in my personal experience, it was overwhelming. I felt that I didn't, um, because I couldn't recite scripture, and because I had to use a table of contents, <laughs> it, it was just beyond me, and so I gave up. But God gave us the Bible, and he gave us the table of contents. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it's hard to find the minor prophets. So it can be, I mean, it yes. can be daunting. It can be, um, if you say, well, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm starting in Genesis, you're probably not going to make it <laughs> out of the Old Testament. Um, so accessibility of the Bible, and just knowing that it is not this huge yep. monolith. It's a love story. How, how do you eat a whale? Yeah. <laughs> Same way you eat an elephant. Yeah. Uh, so. uh, chronology, too, is a problem. We're used to reading something and it follows it, but the Bible is The Bible is not exactly linear. Um, you can read it that way. There are people who have organized it that way, but it's not exactly linear. And it's not like a textbook where you read and study the content. You, this idea that it's conversational is... is very helpful to me personally. Um, so let's take a look at the scripture uh, from Mark 4 that you have here. Let's let, not let anything distract us. And uh, I'm going to read I'm going to read it and then I'm, I'd like to be only read it one time. I have other people read it uh, slowly and, and carefully. So we're going to read it, we're going to reflect on it, then we're going to uh, read it again and meditate on it, which I think is just, you, you're going to kind of listen for a word or a phrase that jumps out at you. We'll read it again and, and sort of pray in between the verses, and then we'll read it again and sort of contemplate its meaning, if we have time for all that. On that day, when evening had come, He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said, teacher... Don't you care that we are going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. So, some reflections. Maybe thoughts about what you know or about this passage or questions that might come up just in reading it. Mike. question that I've always had reading this is, how can you sleep in the back when there's all this chaos going on? If you've ever been in a boat in choppy seas, everybody knows when things are going crazy. And I always always remarkable to me that he was sleeping in the back as everybody else was panicking. There's there's such a huge disparity there. Yep. 
had he had an inner peace. <clears throat> he had an inner peace and apparently no inner ear function. It was, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. Yes, John. Two things stand out to me. Is it starts off with let us cross over to the other side, and then have you no faith. Mm-hmm. He said they were going to cross over to the other side. Mm-hmm. And yet the doubts are really amongst the people on the boat as they were traveling. Just like us. Mm-hmm. I'd have asked why you want to go over. Mm. <laughs> yeah. For what? Yeah. See, see, sorry. I always wonder if he was asleep. And I don't mean to contradict the word. <laughs> Playing possum? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Waiting to watch him. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a good thing to wonder. I don't understand why they were terrified. Why were they terrified? They were with him to begin with. They were with him, and they were fishermen. They've been out there all their lives. Maybe that's why they were terrified. Maybe they get a bad rap. I would have been terrified too. I'm with you. What were the people on the other boats thinking? There were other boats. They know. Ah, yeah. And other boats were with him. He, the way he calmed the sea and the wind, he could have also stirred the sea and the wind. That's right. To test their faith. Make a point. Make a point. It's hard to imagine the sea and the wind having ears to hear or a will to respond. And I wonder about, I just, you know, I wonder about that. Wait a minute, come on. Has nobody in this room been doing something difficult and saying, okay, Jesus, you've got to help me because I just can't do it and then it just like works like magic? Yeah, and weren't you scared before? Absolutely. I mean, come on. Am I the only person in this room that says that? And it's not on one occasion. The the, 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 uh, sea and the wind don't necessarily have to be a physical sea and a wind. Well, I think it was here, but yeah. It can be flailing children in your car. Peace. Peace. And just like that, they do it. Mommy, why are you afraid? Um, um, All right, so let's, let's, let's read. Let's, let's get someone to read the, um, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Let's get somebody to read the uh, the passage slowly and 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 listen. Have ears to hear. Listen to something that jumps out at you. Spirit, speak to us. We pray. Who would like to read this? Yeah, sissy. On that day, when evening had come, he told them, "Let's cross over to the other side of the sea." So they left the crowd and took him along, since he was in the boat. That's interesting. They took him along since he was in the <laughs> And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care what we're, that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, 
Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. All right, so not don't give me a lot of explanation, but tell me what jumped out, Jeannie. They were seemed like they were more terrified when he saved them. Hmm. You know, they were scared of the storm, but they were terrified of his power. Maybe um, they didn't like accept his gift. It scared them, and they asked, "Who is this?" I thought that was interesting. That that was they still they didn't scare them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It seemed like they were, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? That they knew maybe he could do something about it when he woke up. But then at the end they're saying, who is this? Well, they expected him to grab a bucket. <laughs> I, would, I would think that this is early on. In, the, in his ministry. They haven't witnessed yet raising up the dead, making the deaf hear and the blind see. So this is, a, I would think, one of the first encounters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John. To be a fisherman, I think they were uh, kind of shocked at the immediacy of the command. He said, stop and be calm, and the sea stopped, or the wind stopped, and the sea became calm. Now if you go out and use your own experience, the wind doesn't normally just instantaneously stop, and if you're on the water, you know the waves will immediately flatten out. So that was something they had never ever experienced or seen. Yeah. I wonder about the phrase, do you still have no faith? I recognize that. I'd like to reverse this mm -hmm. and say, yes, I have faith until what happens in the first paragraph mm. happens. And then my first words are, help me, Lord. Where are you? Mm -hmm. Where are you? And it should be this way. It should, it should be, I still have that faith. I'd like to be like the lady in the but the test is there, and you think, I think I have faith until this crisis comes, and I'm at, I'm at sea. Yeah. What do I do now, and where are you? And if you don't act, how can I have faith? Yeah. See, if I think God will only give you, test you, and something that you can handle, He's not going to give you more than you can handle. That's what I believe. Well, I, I see other people's problems and I'm like, oh, well, I, I couldn't do that. Well, we're talking about, we're, that you're, you're contemplating, we're not contemplating yet. <laughs> he definitely doesn't give you more than he can handle. Um, the, the phrase that stuck out to me is, is, don't you care? Because, don't you, well, don't you care? No, that, I mean, they asked him, don't you right. care? They asked him, don't you care? All right, 
I'm going to read it one more time. Well, two more times if we got time. Uh, this time we're going to think, about, think of it um, prayerfully. So read it, whoever reads it, read it slowly enough that we can interject some prayers in, in between. Go ahead, Connie. On that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And the other boats were with him. Mm -hmm. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. It does feel like you are asleep during the storms of our lives sometimes. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. The thing that just rings out to me, Lord, in this is that that we are so focused on one thing, and yet you've got it all. Why don't you care about this one thing that is, is bothering me? Yeah, you've got it so much so that you're completely at peace. Lord, I sometimes feel when I pray for something that I've prayed for for years <coughs> and I don't hear you. I sometimes wonder if you're sleeping. You speak and I'm at peace. I release my fears to you, I find that I can become calm mm-hmm. and rest in you, knowing that you will do what needs to be done to steady the course. Of life. 
somebody don't promise us that our lives will be easy, but you do promise us that you are with us always and you walk with us in, on the mountaintops and in the valleys. Lord, our faith is made whole in you. To be so tired from having served so diligently that you would sleep in the midst of waves breaking over you. And yet awake, awaken out of that deep sleep that you could have complete control over the elements of the sky and the sea is true power. And we praise you for that and ask that same stillness over our lives. Well, friends, we are not going to have time to read the fourth time and contemplate those things, but I encourage you to take this into your day and think about what you will take. What does this passage call you to? And is this method valuable for you? Go to church. God bless you. Amen.